Butts and Guts, a Cleveland Clinic podcast exploring your digestive and surgical health from end to end. So welcome to another episode of Butts and Guts. I'm your host, Scott Steele, the chairman of colorectal surgery here at the Cleveland Clinic in beautiful Cleveland, Ohio. And we're very pleased today to have Dr. Prableen Chahal, who is one of our staff gastroenterologists and an expert in interventional endoscopy. Prableen, welcome to Butts and Guts. Thank you so much, Scott. Happy to be here. So for all of our listeners out there, we normally start off by you telling us a little bit about yourself. Where were you born and how did it come to the point that you wound up here in Cleveland? So I was born and brought up in India. I did my medical school in India. After finishing my medical school, I came to U.S. I did uh, about six to eight months of research at Stanford University, followed by internal medicine residency, GI fellowship, and a year of advanced endoscopy fellowship at Mayo Clinic Rochester, Minnesota. After that, I was in private practice for a year in Dallas, and then I moved to Cleveland. I've been here for a little over eight years. So we've had other gastroenterologists on the program, but one of the things we haven't really talked about is some of the more advanced procedures. And so the topic today is going to kind of focus in a little bit about advanced endoscopy. So give us the 50,000 foot view. What is advanced endoscopy? So when we talk about endoscopy, the first thing that comes to our mind is colonoscopy or routine endoscopy that we do to evaluate uh, general GI symptoms, gastroesophageal reflux, or screening for colon polyps. Advanced endoscopy is a term that we use where we use special technology, accessories, and equipment and allow us to manage more complex gastrointestinal, pancreas, biliary, or liver-related disorders. So you're trying to kind of hone in on our surgeon's techniques there, huh? Through some minimally invasive uh, natural orifice procedures, huh? Yes. So yes, we can use the term natural orifice surgery, but this is all within your body. And yes, so this is a little bit cutting into surgical turf. So we do manage a lot of conditions which were historically managed by surgery, all by interventional radiology. That's extremely exciting, especially because it eventually relates to having a decreased percentage of complications and pain and everything else, and we'll get into that. So you're an expert on interventional endoscopic ultrasound. So let's talk a little bit about that. What are some applications of interventional ultrasound? What is it? So interventional ultrasound, when we talk about EUS or endoscopic ultrasound, this technology has been with us for over 40 years. Historically, it was more of a diagnostic test. But since past 10 to 15 years, we have transitioned into what we call as a therapeutic or interventional EUS. So we use endoscopic ultrasound for more common reason. For example, somebody who has a mass or a growth or a lesion in the gastrointestinal tract, starting from esophagus, mediastinums, stomach, pancreas, bile duct, gallbladder, and large lymph nodes, rectum, outside the rectum. So those areas are easily accessible and visualized by endoscopic ultrasound and allow us to do biopsy for confirmation of diagnosis. But more recently, we have pushed the envelope where we can do bile duct or pancreatic duct drainage procedures in somebody who may have had failed ERCP or they have surgically altered anatomy, which is not easily accessible with routine endoscopy, managing pancreatic fluid collection. So this is the most favorite approach where the expertise is available, managing abdominal fluid collections, abscesses, postoperative fluid collections, what we call as endoscopic ultrasound-guided angiotherapy, so treatment of uh, gastric varices, esophageal varices with EUS guidance, creating what we call as transluminal access, so somebody who may have had gastric bypass and they need biliary 
or pancreatic procedures, that's a, a long route for routine endoscopy. So with the US, we can create a fistula between the pouch and the gastric remnant, and that allows us to perform endoscopy. Other applications include celiac plexus block or neurolysis in somebody who may have had chronic pain or pancreatic cancer-related pain. So it's creating a gastrojejunostomy. That's another new exciting development. So we can manage gastric outlet obstruction, most of the times from malignancy endoscopically. Well, there's a lot to unpack there. So let's roll it back just a little bit. So a couple of things that I heard in there. Number one, we're talking about masses and cancers and potentially getting a biopsy. But procedures that used to have a major operation that would result in a prolonged hospital stay, you're now able to tackle through these advanced interventional endoscopic techniques to include the endoscopic ultrasound. So when does the doctor get it to you in order that you can then intervene? That's an excellent question, uh, Scott. I think there is still an opportunity for raising awareness about the applications of endoscopic ultrasound. They have expanded exponentially within past decade. So if you have any issues pertaining to gastrointestinal tract, pancreas, bile duct, gallbladder, rectum, outside the rectum, I think it's probably you won't be wrong in asking is this something that requires endoscopic ultrasound? But more specifically, if you have any um, abdominal fluid collections or if pancreatitis is complicated by pancreatic fluid buildup, what we call as a pseudocyst or necrosis, I think the procedure of choice nowadays is endoscopic ultrasound-guided management. So ask your doctor if you have a local expertise available or get yourself transferred or referred to center where this expertise is available. We had a patient recently referred to our hospital who had post-operative abscess right under the diaphragm. That's a very tricky location to access with percutaneous catheters by radiology. That was attempted that ended up with punctured lung. So patients were transferred here, and that's an area which is very easily accessible with EUS guidance. We were able to go down and empty the abscess through the stomach, and patient was discharged home second day. So whenever you have any kind of abdominal fluid collections, you have problem with the bile duct where the endoscopy was attempted and it was unsuccessful. You have surgically altered anatomy where uh, the access to the bile duct or pancreas may not be easy. Instead of thinking about uh, surgery or interventional radiology, I think it's reasonable to talk to your doctor about referral to center, which has EUS expertise available. Again, exciting stuff, especially the part about the fluid collections in tricky places. So let's let's hone in a little bit more things just to clarify and just to point out. I'm somebody, I got gallstones. I get pain after every time I eat. Do I need an endoscopic ultrasound or will a normal ultrasound suffice? I think for gallstones, particularly for gallstones per se, normal ultrasound is sufficient. But if there's a concern that some of the gallstones may have spilled down into the bile duct, and you may have what we call as cholidocolithiasis or stones in the bile duct, that is not easily traced by transabdominal ultrasound. And that's where either an MRI or endoscopic ultrasound would be a superior test to figure that out. My doctor says, I'm going to refer you for one of these interventional endoscopic ultrasounds or some of the more advanced endoscopic techniques. What can they expect? It's very important that patient, uh, they're educated. What they're coming in for, 
what are their choices, what are the alternatives, what kind of procedure I'm proposing, why I'm proposing that, what are the risks, complications of the procedure I'm proposing, is this superior compared to the alternatives, which usually are interventional radiology or surgery. So the key here is getting them educated, making them aware of their options, and then forming an informed decision. Okay, so then they come in and take me through the technique. What actually happens? Do you have to sedate? Do you get? Do you go all the way under for this? Are you in twilight? And take me through one of the upper type of endoscopic ultrasound procedures. So the most common indication for endoscopic ultrasound is somebody where they may need a biopsy. So let's take that as an example. Somebody with a newly diagnosed pancreatic cyst or a pancreatic mass. Usually we do obtain a routine labs. So if they are on any blood thinning medication, we ask them to stop that at least five to seven days before the procedure. We obtain some routine blood work like INR, which tells us how thin their blood is. The procedure is done as an outpatient setting, and it takes about uh, an hour or so for them to get checked in for the procedure. They are seen by anesthesia. It's done under what we call as monitored anesthesia care. So they are under deep sleep while we are doing the procedure. The endoscopic ultrasound procedure itself can last anywhere from half an hour to 60 minutes. After the procedure, they are washed in recovery for another 30 minutes, and they are able to go home afterwards. Usually there are no restrictions. They are allowed to eat. There might be some modifications in terms of discharge instructions. If I did biopsy of the pancreas, I may ask them to stay on low-fat diet for the rest of their day after the procedure. But most of the patients are able to go back to work the following day. So give us a look behind the curtain. What do you actually do when you do that? So they go off to their twilight. And is this just like people who've had an upper scope in the past or a so-called EGD? Or are there different types of equipment that you use? What do you do? So excellent question, Scott. So I do tell them about what kind of equipment I'll be using. So it's very similar to routine upper endoscopy. The only differences are flexible tube is a little bit thicker. So it's about 13 millimeter. Not only it has a camera at the tip, it also has what we call as a high frequency ultrasound probe. So it's a combination of direct camera visualization and an ultrasound. So when they're asleep, we go down from their mouth, esophagus, up to early small intestine. And then the ultrasound allows us to visualize the details of the GI tract, wall layers, and outside the esophagus, stomach, and small intestine, and allows us to take direct biopsy. So this flexible tube has a very long biopsy channel that allows us to pass different type of biopsy needles, stents, cautery equipments, and allow us to do all the therapeutic interventions. And you said it takes about 30 to 60 minutes. And so are there risks to this procedure? You said you went over some of the risks. What are the type of risks that can happen? How often do they occur? Let's take an example of, again, pancreatic mass or cyst, which is most common indication. The risks are very similar to routine upper endoscopy, which include risk of perforation, which is making a puncture, tear, or hole in the digestive system. It's one in six to 7,000. The risk of bleeding from taking a biopsy from pancreatic mass or cyst is less than one in 100. The risk of 
causing inflammation of pancreas from pancreas biopsy, what we call as pancreatitis, is also about one in a hundred. And then uh, risk of infection, if we are taking a sample from a pancreatic cyst, is again less than one in a hundred. But when we do more of interventional EUS, you know, you're draining the bile duct, you're draining pancreatic fluid collection, then the risks go up. For example, if I'm doing what we call as a direct debridement of pancreatic necrosis, where we create a hole in the stomach to access the dead pancreas behind or around the stomach, and we drive our endoscope into the cavity and manually debride the dead pancreas, the risk go high, and it could be as high as 30%. Mainly, the risk would be that of a bleeding, and it's reported to be in about 10 to 13%. When we are doing interventional procedure, there's a risk of embolism as well. Even though we use CO2, there have been a case report of air embolism despite using uh, CO2. So it depends upon the intervention we are doing. The complications are probably directly proportional to how aggressive we are being with the procedure. Yeah, it sounds like it's pretty darn safe overall. So for the patients that might develop a complication during this, do they have to go on and get surgery or is this complications typically something that are self-limited or are there techniques that you can use in order to stop them then and there so they don't have to be rushed off to an operating room. Yes, and that has also been a, a dramatic change within the past decade. Uh, if there are any complications that happen, majority of them are managed endoscopically or they can be managed conservatively. It's extremely rare that patients have to undergo any kind of a surgical procedure for management of complications. Historically, any kind of a complication, including perforation, was managed surgically, but nowadays we can manage perforations as big as two centimeter endoscopically. We can close the hole. And if there's any bleeding, we have tools and techniques and equipment that allow us to manage bleeding as well. If patients develop pancreatitis, the management would be more conservative. There is no medication, surgical procedure to help manage those. So yes, we can manage majority endoscopically. Again, exciting stuff. It's always uh, very interesting for me to hear some of the things that are happening in the interventional world that have just had such dramatic effects on our patients. So What's on the horizon for advanced endoscopy or, or interventional endoscopic ultrasound? What's, what's the next thing? And is there anything specifically that we're doing here in Cleveland that's kind of pushing this platform forward? Yes, absolutely. I'm glad you asked this question, Scott. Endoscopic ultrasound is one technology where a lot of exciting developments are happening, not only from the procedure aspect, but also the tools and technology that is being developed and allows us to push the envelope. So one of the new things that we started doing at Cleveland Clinic is what we call as endoscopic ultrasound-directed ERCP in patients with gastric bypass. Patients who have had gastric bypass, about 10 to 15% of them may go on to have problems with the bile duct or pancreas. They may have stones or bile duct may not drain properly, or they may get pancreatitis episodes that require a special type of an endoscopy called ERCP. But because of the bypass, access to the area where bile duct and pancreas opens is not easy. It weighs, weighs down. Historically, we would use a technology called balloon endoscopy, but the success rate of balloon was only 60%. And with EUS, we are able to access the gastric remnant 
by placing a lumen opposing metal stents. These are dumbbell shaped stent. Um, they open up to about 15 millimeter in diameter. And we place one end of the stent in the rule limb or gastric pouch and second under ultrasound guidance into the gastric remnants. So basically that allows us to recreate their normal anatomy and now we can easily perform ERCP procedure and open up their bile duct and pancreas. Once the intervention is done, we pull the stent out and then we cauterize the area of the fistula that we have created and it closes spontaneously six to eight weeks down the road. So this is an exciting development. Again, historically, these were the patients we would take them to the operating room and we would do something called as a laparoscopy-assisted ERCP, which again, it's not a simple procedure, it's obviously a surgery. So this is something exciting we are doing. Second thing I would like to mention is we have acquired technology called radiofrequency ablation, which allows us to treat malignant strictures in the bile duct. There are some studies that are going on by uh, looking at these RFA for the pancreatic cyst but they are still early data. Some of the other exciting stuff that is in the horizon is EUS-guided tumor ablation, EUS-guided intratumoral injection, EUS-guided drainage of gallbladder, endoscopic ultrasound-guided gastrojejunostomy, radiofrequency ablation. So a lot of exciting stuff on the and horizon. And that's all happening here in Cleveland. So we have done EUS-guided gallbladder drainage. We have done EUS-guided gastrojejunostomy. We have done EUS-guided uh, access in uh, patients with altered anatomy. We acquired radiofrequency ablation. We're part of a study uh, looking at intertumoral injection with the U.S., but there's no current study going on as of now. Wow, that's, uh, that is really, really amazing. So I always like to end up with what we call quick hitters here. So a little bit about you so they can get to know you a little bit better. So what's your favorite food? Um, Indian food, snack called samosas. And what is uh, your favorite sport? Tennis. And what's the last book that you read? Fun book. No medicine journals or medicine things. I, I'm not sure if I would call it a fun book, but the last one was read was HBR's On Emotional Intelligence. Okay, good. And then tell us uh, something that you like most about Cleveland. I think this is, um, I, I call it as a well-hidden gem. Uh, there is something for everyone, whether you are sports, music, art, indoor, outdoor person, there's something for everyone. It's an excellent place to raise family. Well, that's fantastic, and we're so excited and glad that you had it. I learned something today. I didn't even know some of the things that we could do here. And to learn more about interventional EUS and Cleveland Clinic's Digested Disease and Surgery Institute, please visit Cleveland Clinic dot org slash digestive that's clevelandclinic.org slash digestive and to make an appointment with a cleveland clinic digestive specialist please call 216-444-7000 that's 216-444-7000 probleen thanks again for joining us on butts and guts thank you so much god for having me that wraps things up here at cleveland clinic until next time thanks for listening to butts and guts